Hello and welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond but uncommon wisdom through their journey to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host. And today's quote is by Thomas Jefferson. The care of human life and happiness and not their destruction is the first and only object of good government. So I think that one is going to apply for sure. We've got a fascinating guest for you today. Glenn Akramoff is the founder and CEO of Akramoff LLC. His expertise is rehabilitating and revitalizing municipal government workplaces. He has developed a program that will improve any organization by returning humanity to the center of focus. Okay, you know why I'm excited right now, don't you? Okay, let's bring him on. Glenn, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Good. Well, I'm happy to have you. So I wonder if you could give our listeners a little bit about your journey, about you as a human being and and how you got to where you are. Certainly. Um, I actually started, um, it all starts with my parents. Um, I had two wonderful parents and I know how lucky I am to have them. Um, And I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. And because of that, you, you get to know a lot of different people, um, and a lot of people get to know you. Um, so, um, and then I started a government journey and I should say my parents, my dad was a police officer and my mom was a city clerk. So I started in government. It's, um, it's kind of in my genes, I guess. And, um, I very much, uh, got into it and it, it, my career kind of evolved. It was not intentional at the beginning, it was just find a job and kind of move through. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved out to Washington and got on with a with a city uh, temporarily and then full time. And then I started to realize that in government, in particular, because that's where I was, there was a lot of discontent and a lot of uh, challenges. And I started to realize as I grew up in that organization and realized what was going on that a lot of it had to do with, with the workplace. And we all work so much and I did, um, because I, I actually enjoy it. And I realized that, that it, it, it was actually eating people alive. And Mm -hmm. I had a, what motivated me to start doing this work more than anything was I had two friends who were very close friends that I worked with. Um, both of them, I would say were my, my best work friends. And I spent a lot of time out of work with them. The workplace ate them both alive. Mm. One of them, I don't know if he made it. The other one, I know he didn't. Um, He committed suicide. And a lot of it was the workplace. And so I know that's a little bit of a bummer, but that's really what motivates me every day. Mm -hmm. If I can help one person not go down that road, then I'm being successful. And um, luckily I have a, my skills that you talk about skills and gifts um, are really set up for doing this. And, um, and I've been doing it consultant wise for about eight years and uh, um, I've had some, some really incredible moments. 
Well, I'm glad to hear about those incredible moments. And yes, we also definitely touch on those bummer moments. It's not bringing us down. This is what motivates us to action, right? The, mm-hmm. the ways that we find that we can make a difference, that we can improve challenging times for other people, that service mind. And I know you have it and people are lucky that you're out there doing this. I, I actually recently spoke at a government conference and you're so right. They, they, need that we all we all need uh, to be refocused to be lifted to be shifted into how to come back to our why how to reconnect with ourselves and with others and do business in a different capacity we really really need it so i'm i'm so glad you're working in this arena so what are some of your main goals that you have moving forward well our goal for the company goal this year was actually to impact 250,000 people in a positive way. I found that's really hard to count. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it sounds like a tagline, but for me, it's very, it, it, it is meaningful. And that is I, I have always wanted to ch- have a positive impact on the world. And that, of course, I, like I said, that came from my parents and um, for me, it it's about changing the world by changing the workplace. And I started the business on my own during COVID. And I and people ask, why did you do that? And I thought, what better time when we come out of this? People are going to expect different things. And as it turns out, that's exactly right. And um, and I, I applaud, I talk a lot about generational stuff in my, in my work and I applaud, I, I know the two newest generations, the millennials and the Gen Z's get beat up pretty good. Mm-hmm. I applaud them because they're, they um, are no longer tolerating what we are, the other generations have tolerated and expected. And that means they're going to change the world. And so I love working with them and, um, and sometimes they, they start to believe the, the, the stuff and they don't need to. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really think that there is a need to, to help those up, up and coming generations too, because they do have their hearts in the right place and anything that we can do, there's their, they're socially conscious and they want to make a difference. So let's help them do that. Right. Absolutely. And one of the things that I wanted to point out about what you said, you know, about about moving forward, about making a difference is, you know, how, how important it is right now to, to impact people, but how you can't really quantify how many, right? You have this number of how many people, and I'm going to just share with you that I bet that everyone you impact then goes out and impacts other people. So that's why it's difficult to quantify. So whatever number you do come up with, it's exponentially higher because when you do what you're doing, you're making a difference in people's lives that you haven't even met. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely true. When I'm working with leaders and teaching them um, their impact, because as a leader, your, your impact, in my opinion, is absolute on your, on the people that work with you, but also their families, their kids, their friends, their parents, you know, 
their, you know, all of that, their grandparents. I mean, so like you said, it is exponential. I just haven't figured out a number. <laughs> yeah. you know, what does that really mean? You know, so we started looking into that, but really in the end, the number isn't as important as the, as the impact. Right, right, exactly. So let's let's talk a little bit about this human-centered approach. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about it and how it applies in the workplace? Certainly. So I think every business, every organization, and especially in government, your your focus is on serving other human beings um, in some form or fashion. Uh, I don't know of many that don't. Um, I can't name any. So when you're when you're going down that road, you 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 can't serve other human beings unless you're being human. So in the in the human centered movement, that's really what it what it's about is to bring the human back to the center of of the workplace. And that starts with the people who are serving and for them. Um, you know, I noticed that in government is everyone who goes there, almost everyone has a servant's heart. They, they, they're there to serve and they love it. And when they're doing that, they're the happiest that they can be, but they need to be served as well. They need to be fed. Um, I talk a lot about, there is an I in team because I, I believe the individual has to be healthy. They have mm-hmm. to be happy. And as human beings, we, we skipped this last one and that's productive. As human beings, we were built to be productive. We're at our most rewarded when we, when we are. So when people, when, um, as an example, when you look at someone who is struggling in a workplace, there's a lot of judgment that goes with that. Um, unfortunately there's not enough curiosity. Why are there, they struggling? And a lot of times it's because they're, um, they're not being served. They're not um, being productive. The other part you mentioned early about purpose and about finding our why and um, or getting back to our why is what you said. To me, a lot of people haven't found their why. Mm. And in the workplace, you know, in government, government jobs are tend to be steady. They tend to pay decently. So everyone in the world tells you don't leave that job. Even if you're miserable, don't leave. And people lose, you know, don't find their why and they just sit there and do the best they can, but that eats on them. So Mm -hmm. part of the human-centered piece is finding, helping people find their why and then serving it. Mm, That is incredibly important. You know, and when we can do that, when we, this is something that a lot of, I guess we'll say a, a lot of moms think about this too, is that they constantly want to do for everyone in their families. And they usually have jobs like that too, and they're serving everybody else, but they're so much better at all of those roles when they fill the well first. It's the mm-hmm. same thing that you're talking about. I really mm-hmm. like that. Have you experienced any challenges or fears in either the building of your business or in any part of your journey that you learned a lesson from? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think fear is, is a, a powerful motivator, but it can be debilitating at the same time. That's what makes it so difficult. So it was interesting when I started my business, I was working for another consultant firm and we had 
always talked about me moving on to my own and I had a false start. I kind of started to work on building, you know, putting all the technical pieces of a business together and I just wasn't getting it done. I just wasn't moving forward. And so um, this is one of the things that I recommend everybody is get help, get a coach. And I have a good friend who's a world-class coach and he, he told me, um, when we had our discussion that I was thinking too small mm. and, and when I thought about it, he was absolutely right. And that came from, um, actually a fear of success for me. And, you know, that sounds weird because I have had a lot of success in my life and my, my career. And I, I've been blessed and I've worked hard for that, but I've been blessed in a lot of ways, but, um, I realized you know, that this could go really big and it still hasn't. And I'm okay with that, but it could, and that could change my life. And then, um, you know, do I want my life changed? And, and then I don't have control. And so for me, that has always been um, kind of the, the biggest fear that's been a motivator, but a demotivator at the same time, which is the fear of losing control. And I have realized over the years that um, in recent years that control is an illusion. So that has helped me come overcome that. It still pops up, right? And then you, yeah. you, I realize as you know, be working hard to be self-aware when those little triggers pop up that I go, okay, I'm back there. What's that really about? But I, I think that's a big one for me. And I think that's a big one for a lot of people in the workplace. I think it really is. And you, you definitely hit on something too. And I call it like the, the fear dance, the cha-cha, because sometimes we feel like we're moving forward, taking that step or two forward. And, and then it comes back up again to teach us another lesson. And we take a step back and we go forward and we dance with it. But as long as we're continuing to move forward and we see it, right, we recognize it faster, we overcome it faster the expectation that it's gone forever more is unrealistic. Right. right but right. so we, we do, we do make those strides forward. And and I love that you mentioned that as well. So could you give us a little bit of an idea of what the process of working with, with you, with a client, what that lo- that looks like and why you do it the way you do it and how it's different. Sure. So I, I, I like to, I like to be different. So I'll highlight the difference first. Okay. And that is, um, you know, there's a lot of consultants out there and they do a great job. There's a lot of people working hard to make a difference. And so I'm, not, I, I, but what makes us different is that, that I, um, and my team, when we come in, we get involved a lot. I had some consultants tell me, well, we just don't get emotionally involved because then we can be a, a, a neutral third party. We don't worry about that. I I can't help you move forward unless I feel the emotions you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we've been working, you know, that's been a mission of mine is to put emotion back in the workplace because you can't take it out of human beings. So stop okay. trying. But um, so our process is that a lot of times we, we do two different ways. One, I, I do it as a consultant. I come in. I'll do an assessment process and then I'll make recommendations, which is pretty typical for a consultant. The difference is then we will 
support your implementation in any way you need it. Um, and then once you're a client, you're a lifetime client, I, I commit to not coming back. I want to make it sustainable. And that's, I think if we don't, then we have failed, but, um, that doesn't mean you can't call me whenever you want to call me. And, and, um, and the relationships that we've created are, are pretty powerful because we get into the emotion. So how do we do that? Well, we have, uh, I have the, uh, I've, I've created what I call the six pillars of a healthy work workplace. And, um, they are, uh, start with culture. It always starts with culture and, um, that is self-explanatory, but the next one is structure. And a lot of people go, well, I just, structure well a lot of structures develop organically and they impact the stru the culture incredibly because you put people in good positions or in the wrong positions it, it starts to affect things the next one is uh systems so what you use tools you use to do your work that includes your building that includes vehicles whatever however you do work then we work on processes um one of the things i found is processes are where most of the conflict happens because people do things differently and they think their way is right. And sometimes they're correct in that, but not always. Um, and then external forces uh, is number five. And that is things that you can't control that you, uh, that you have to have strategy for. And most people don't, they just kind of take that um, negativity. That is where the stress level is the highest. Those external forces, especially for leaders, um, causes the most stress. And then um, number six is analytics or, or, you know, analysis. How do you measure your success? And in America, we like to count everything. So sometimes that's not a good thing. So we start with those and we evaluate the, uh, an organization in those areas, and then we help them improve in all those areas. Wow, that's good. And very holistic. You know, you're talking about the emotion that a lot of people don't talk about, which I love, I think is super important. But you're looking at um, all different areas of how to improve the organization. I think that's really important. So have you run into any difficult situations in this journey as a consultant? Uh, every place I go. <laughs> uh, I, I tend, I tend to, and people think this is weird sometimes, but I tend to go into, uh, uh, well, I always go into workplaces that are struggling. Of and course, so, if, if everything then, was perfect, they wouldn't right, need you. <laughs> right. And a lot of times I'm their last resort, mm -hmm. right? They've tried everything else and they, they've tried to do it themselves. And, um, and some are successful in that, thankfully, but they call me and they're in a panic mode. And, um, and a lot of them are toxic. And so you, you always find challenges. Uh, a couple of them that really are, are almost always there are, uh, everyone, you know, communication, everyone says communication and accountability are the two biggest things, but they don't define them. And so we help them define them, but accountability is always an interesting one because everyone's happy with accountability until it's pointed at them. Ah, right. <laughs> so, so we're able to put some, some stuff in uh, together. The other one is um, like I mentioned at the beginning is uh, a little bit is substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Mental illness is there being untreated and ignored. Um, 
And then you have long-term conflicts that are going on, long-term feuds, um, especially in government where people tend to stay longer. Um, some of those feuds can be 20 years old and the people who who were initially in, involved in them are, aren't even in the organization anymore, but they're still mm -hmm. going on. So those are pretty typical. Um, and I would say, you know, talking about an organization that I, I did work with last year, I'm still finishing up with them, but at a, a couple of uh, key moments and it was, it was actually in January. I do a workshop that um, focuses on actually creating a team purpose and, um, and, and that's not, to go forever. That's just a one where they are today and then defining their values. Um, part of that process is actually putting all of the negativity and the feuds and everything on the table. Mm. And I'd worked with this group for a while. So I knew, and I don't, I don't do that first. I do that when I get to know them. So I knew where the feuds were. Um, and um, in the kind of the open period where I have them put things on the table, I challenge them to do so. And I did this group and one of the, uh, one of the two that had been feuding quite a while and was the most, uh, was the loudest conflict. Um, they, one of them started picking on the other one and oh. talking about that. Then the other one came back and I let them go for a little bit. Yeah. And then I stopped them. And, um, I have a way of doing that where, um, you know, you tend to facilitate, and so I facilitate up front of the room, but when we get to this point, I actually sit down mm. in the middle and, and kind of become the hub, you know, out to the spokes to kind of let everyone know I'm in it with you. Um, so I did that and I stopped them. And then I said to everyone, I said, it's on the table now. And you all know this is going on. This has never been a secret. And there are three other ones out there. Now we can talk about them now or we, and we don't have to, but understand that everyone in the room knows that they're there. And so I met with them afterwards. Um, actually, we took a break and I went out to speak to each of them individually. And I set up a meeting with them because they'd had, a, it was kind of a breakthrough, even though they didn't know it yet. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I met with, I set a meeting with them on Monday. This, this was on a Thursday. And on Monday, the one met me at the door and let me in the building and, and we sat down before the other one came and he said, uh, we met in the parking lot this morning and we, we talked and we hugged it out. And, um, that was the first time I'd ever had that happen. They did it on their own. Um, and as come to find out they'd been friends and they had a, a kind of a breakup and they both wanted this. And so when you, and then I followed up with them to make sure everything was good. Right. And it was, and they came to some agreements. They were super accountable. It was just really a powerful moment. And when you have two men who have been feuding for a long time in a maintenance place where emotion is not necessarily acceptable, and they're both in tears because they got their friendship back. It was one of the most powerful moments I've had. And, um, and just to witness it was an amazing thing. That's what makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Just yeah. seeing that it's very, very uplifting. That's beautiful. Now, what you do involves change. 
Now, I'm a fan of change, but not everyone is a fan of change. And even the best change, the change that we know is going to be good for people, for the organization, still comes with resistance. So what can you share with our listeners who might be experiencing or even leading change? Well, I think the first thing is, is that people, um, I don't believe people don't like change. They don't like change happening to them. Right. They want it to happen with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first thing you have to understand is as a leader in particular, or, you know, you're leading an organization and you're, you're, you're solving problems and that's what you do and your, your intent. And you come up with an idea and a way to solve the problem, but the problem won't be solved with a lot of resistance. Now you're going to get resistance no matter what, and you need to be prepared for that. I think that's the first step of uh, uh, we we call it the 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 change roadmap or the road to change. There's a a way to that we all go through it, and it's much like a mourning process because you have to mourn the old losing the old way, and then sell and get to celebrating the new way, and that and so you're going to resist because there's lots of things that that you're tied to. When I talk about processes, that's really what happens is people get so tied to their workarounds. They don't want, they don't, they know it doesn't work. They complain about it, but they get tied to the way they've created as a workaround. And in some ways it, they should be, they're, they sh- they're proud of it because they found a way, but that doesn't mean it's going to work forever. So what people normally do is they resist first. Some people skip that step really fast. Then they then they go to observe and they ask they say well it 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 looks like this change is going to happen. Then they then they accept okay this change is happening maybe I need to get involved, um, and then they start looking for for ways to do that. Then they engage. Then they jump in and say okay this change is happening and I'm going to get in it because I don't want to be left behind or whatever their motivation is. Um, then they then they acknowledge change. Okay, it's happening. It's actually not bad. There's some good things here, and um, and then the last one is, hey, this, this they celebrate it. This change was a good thing. The up until the celebration, anybody can go backwards on the road. So you can go. I've had people get right to where we're almost finished with the change process and go right back to resistance. Mm-hmm. And so rather than fight that we get curious and we ask, so what's that about? What's going on? And a lot of times it it's some fear that has gotten in their way that has come up again and, and restricts them. And when you have a conversation about that, they can get right back to acknowledge and celebrate really quickly. Um, but if you fight it, they're going to get solid in their resistance. So I think that's that's how we do it. And um, we also know that that's an individual journey, just like mourning is. So each person's going to do it differently. And we're not only okay with that, we celebrate that. You know, I love the curiosity element because when you go in um, with expectations of what's going to happen, that's a completely different way of showing up than when you go in curious 
Why did this happen? How can we help you through this? That's going to help make it through the, the transition so much better and faster. And so I love that you add that in. The whole process sounds fantastic. Now, I'm sure that that people listening would like to find out how they can reach you, if there are any additional tools that you have, anything that you'd like to share with them now? Sure. We we have a website. It's a cromoff.com. Um, we are on LinkedIn and we do regular posts about leadership and all that. Um, we're um, we're not super active on Facebook, but we're there. We do. We are on X or Twitter. Um, we are um, also have a YouTube channel that we uh, put post videos to. Um, and then um, kind of last thing is I, I wrote a book on how I do this. And it's called The Human Centered Team. And you can find that at humancenteredbook.com. And it it also on Amazon. And um it not only that book not only explains the the pillars, but also the keys to building a, a winning team, as well as um stories on how I learned those lessons. So um it ended up being very personal. Um and I'm actually thankful for that. So that's where that's you can find awesome. It. Okay. So for you, if you're listening, uh, don't worry, you know, we put the links into the show notes for you to make it nice and easy. So Glenn, the time flew by as we knew it would, and it is mm-hmm. now time for your final parting words of wisdom. I know you've given us some great stuff, some great stories. What else do you have for us to leave everyone with? For me, it, it, it's when your workplace is struggling or you're struggling with things personally, um, get help, ask for help. It's the, it's something we don't do as human beings very well. Guilty have been guilty um, of it, but um, you know, in today's workplace, there's so your limited resources as a leader, as a, as an employee, you have limited resources. Things are, have shrunk down. Um, It's not that you can't do it or aren't aren't qualified to do it. It's that you don't have the time. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'd love for you to call us and and work with us, Um, but there are lots of people out there. Get help and get support to get through whatever you're going through. I love it. That is so, so very important. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your wisdom. Listeners, thank you. We so appreciate you coming back week after week. If you love Glenn's story, share it out. Share it on social media. Send it to a friend, anyone that you think that might benefit please do share. And we appreciate when you uh, leave us a recommendation as well. Thank you for those. Everyone have a beautiful week and we'll see you again next time.